Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and I want to welcome you to Season 3 of Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with authentic and courageous leaders from all over the globe. You will learn from leaders you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolkit. Leadership belongs to all of us. It's not measured by stature or title. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. And I think today's show is going to give you a little bit more education especially around the word ability and tenacity. And my guest today is Michael McGrush. And as always, we've changed things up for season three. And I can read my guest's bio, but I'm not going to do the justice and really declare the passion. So I've asked my guest to give us a quick overview bio of who they are. So Michael, welcome to the show and please share with our listeners a little bit about you. Hi, Deb. Um, yeah, my name is Michael McGrooch. I was born in Vienna, Austria. I was a chick child. I went to school, didn't fit in, uh, was always good with humans. And then I found out in, in school I was uh, neurodiverse. I had dyslexia and dysgraphia. I didn't know dysgraphia then. And what that did is uh, I... I'm an A personality. I, you know, I I wanted to fit in and I couldn't fit in. I had to repeat three classes and I wasn't a rebel. I just really wanted to be part of of the group, you know, like our DNA drive drives us to be inclusive, especially in adolescence. You want to belong. And I couldn't. For a long time I couldn't fit in. And and then when when I was 30, I realized, oh my God, I did a, a resume. And I found out, oh my God, art was my life savior. I mean, the fact that I'm still alive is art, art creation, especially art creation. And because all my jobs were art related. So from selling uh, tapes out of my trunk to the a DJ, to fashion show producer, to advertiser marketing. And so I was always a creative. And yeah, and then once I deemed myself an artist myself, not waiting that the system deems me as an artist. And I, I mean, there was no, I couldn't think any other way that I'm not an artist because everything was right in front of me. And I got aware that this is who I am and what that's a part of me, a big part of me in the system. As if, if you want to define me, what are you doing? I'm an artist. And uh, once I was aware of that, Things changed. So then I said, okay, I'm an artist. Now I have to get the system all read. I have to be system adapt. I have to get my exhibition. And I got the exhibition. I got the International Airport Show. I got this, 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 this. I got front cover of a ma magazine. And it always, and I've realized that it's all gossip. I, you know, because a lot of people say, well, once you get the, the, the cover of a magazine, you should be thinking, oh, this exhibition, this exhibition, it should be, you are in the museum. Oh, wow. And it's all false hope. It's all false hope that creatives, especially in the creative community, because, I mean, I sold paintings for $11,000, but when? You know, and also how long can you live with it? If you sell that through a gallery, half of that is yours. 
So, uh, you know, 5,000, uh, what is, what is that? $5,500. And then you have to pay taxes. There's nothing left. Uh, I mean, it sounds good. Even $40,000 sounds good, but you have to look, how often do you sell that? So I found a lot of things that systems told me or that people in society, which is a system too, believed, uh, we're wrong. We're wrong for me. And then once I've realized that me and I shared it with, let's say you, I said, yeah, I feel the same way. <laughs> it's like, wow. And so I came to, you know, in recently to awareness and awareness when I was 50, because I hit the wall, literally, I had success. I was City Arts Commission of Newport Beach. I worked with Robert Evans, who did The Godfather, all without education. Everything is self-taught. So the strength of me is not that I got these system accolades that I can say. The, the thing is to show that my power is to see everything outside the system. So not just out of the box, creative thinking, oh, I think different than you did. I'm thinking really because I couldn't in another way. I didn't have a choice. It wasn't a choice to think outside of the sea. And this Lexia and this Raffia where I can't read my handwriting and stuff is, you know, was actually not endurance and adversity. It was a superpower, you know? And it is a superpower. And I see context that nobody can see. I mean, very, very few people see the context, especially in creativity. Uh, that see the context that I see. I, I love what you're bringing to neurodiversity as a whole. So let me let me jump into my leadership questions. You have said to me that you feel ninety percent of human being being human beings being misunderstood come from an unawareness that we mix our conversations, our human conversations with system-relevant issues. What do you mean by that? Okay. So everybody knows Simon Sinek. He is very humane. He uses leadership for on the humane side. But still, even with him, and he, I think he's very aware of it, but even with him, I think he doesn't, at least he doesn't say that. I separate, I separate human relevance, and I think the compartmentalizing of separating human relevance versus system relevance. Let me give you an example. You, you might lose your job. That's system relevant. That's, you know, that's generating stress in you. Uh, you might, you know, don't get the race. Somebody else get the race or you get the race. It, it, it is all system relevant. But if you cut, let's say you cut yourself or your daughter is sick. Let's say your daughter is sick. Even though in Europe, for example, they're very much about, you know, it's okay from the system that you stay home. But even in Europe, people, it's not as extreme as here, but in Europe, even people feel uncomfortable not going to work. There is no such thing as lazy because in nature it doesn't exist lazy. That is um, human. And this is like, like lazy. It's like human adapt, guilt, future fear, you know, fear of the future. So, we are not separating and saying, okay, let's think about this in a, in a big thing. There's nature and we are still part of nature. We are species of nature and we don't see it. So when have you heard the last time somebody says we are a, a, a nature species, we are like an elephant or whatever. Nobody says it, but we are. We have lost over generation 
the separation where we get born uh, in a hospital, a system, we get baptized, a system, we get raised in school, system, we go to university, a system, we get a job, it's a system, we marry, it's a system, okay? So we have lost touch of where we belong. Like, we're playing Monopoly game in systems, that's a game. But we are still, and we make money in that, and I'm not saying anything against systems, I'm just saying it's the awareness there's a monopoly game. You know, there's rich people or poor people, or whatever, and it has nothing to do how how good they are as humans or how relevant they are as humans. So now, the separation that you actually feel that teeter totter, shall I stay with my daughter? But I need to make money to make to to survive. You know, there should be in in natural. If we look at it from a humanist perspective, there should be no bad feeling. Your focus is on your daughter or on you if you injured yourself to get into balance, to get the maximum human potential out to contribute you all again. And that's, we have lost that. We have lost that because if you're not a good, uh, you know, if you're not a good employer, we got to get exchanged. But the fact that you are not a good uh, employee is often because you try to adapt to the system versus you know, stand in your humanity and say, you know, I'm a human first because which system can, it can work without humans? Even if you have AI, without humans, systems are completely irrelevant. Even if you get, have no workers in the system, AI has to be in a way that it can tend to humans. Otherwise, why would you use your AI? So the compartmentalizing of this and, the, and here comes the kicker. In nature, you have, you're worthy because you exist. So the ant, I always say the same example because it's such a good visualization. The ant and the elephant are the same. They have different function in the, and what systems tells you, you can, if I can do it, you can do it. And that's the biggest lie. And it's a shaming lie. And leaders must know that. Because they must know how to keep the team. I think that the number one leadership trait that you, every leader should have, he needs to be the most self-aware person in the whole company. If he's not the most self-aware, then he's the wrong leader. He should be the most self-aware because his job is not to, to lead and say, you do this and you make this, or we should do this and that, but he should make the... She, he should allow the team to be in balance and harmony, like in nature. Then you get the maximum out of a team. When you don't need to micromanage, when you don't need to do things you allow, you're just basically not putting out fires. That's already too far. You're just balancing the whole thing. You look at the people, you talk to them, you connect to the people, and you, it doesn't matter how many people, you just make sure everything is balanced. I love that. And I, I love the analogy of the follower versus the leader. Very impactful. Yeah. Second question. What imperfections do you bring to your heart-centered leadership? What imperfections? That I'm neurodiverse. I mean, that's an imperfection because if you give me a leadership job, I can do compute. I yeah, have a hard time doing computer work because it takes me four times as long. I have to... Um, 
you know, everything that's logistically, you know, I, I, you know, the, the, so I'm working the best with somebody that is a real system navigator. That that's as a, I can really shine when I just look at the at the human capital and work with the human capital and strategically what the you know with the team. So actually, I empower the team and the logistics somebody else needs to do. I love that. That's that's huge awareness right there. Okay, my third leadership question is: Tell us what being creative is in terms of awareness and education within leadership and a culture as a whole. Okay, creativity is number one. Uh, dispel the myth that uh, creativity is something you can learn. Creativity is something you have. Everybody has it. When I have business, you know, when I was still in, in galleries and paintings, so these business people come to me and they say, you know, I, you know, I'm a business person, but I'm not really an artist. And this is system, again, here, it is system defined. And what it is, um, this is in my last book, The Smart of Art, and in my podcast, what I explain is the difference between art creation and art product. And a company is the product, but, you know, it brings out products or services. But a company, a, a company's core is the expansion of a person or, or a group of people. It's the expansion. And it's not about the money. The money is a symptom of that expansion. The clearer you are about this expansion of what you what you express of you, of you, and you need to have creativity, how you would communicate that. So you can, you know, that's like, and I say art always gives you these beautiful metaphors. So I was like, I played guitar. I learned guitar for, for two years, you know, uh, classical, and I can do five chords. And then a friend of mine grabbed me and say, hey, you know, the, the percussionist got sick. Can you play the bongos and the congas? And I was a virtuoso. I, I, you know, all the people came to me. I came, you know. So we use the wrong uh, instrument. Uh, and creativity allows you to have no system definitions. It says, let's try this. Let's try. You're open to any change. And we have, like, like we see ourselves not, in the system and we didn't see ourselves in nature, the same is with creativity. We, we just take it over generation. We got programmed and uh, conditioned that this is what life's supposed to be in the Western world, for example. And it's obviously not because in the Eastern world it's different. Not, everything becomes Westernized, but, but it is not an, an absolute. And everything in the system is static and absolute. And that's why it is so dangerous because humans need sleep. Humans need to relax. When you give, a, uh, when you give a, a person 15 calls to answer and the, girl, the, the person wants to look five minutes in the freaking trees outside the window and you see that on the camera and say, that guy's sl slacking off, he's lazy. You are anti-human. You become... My fear is not that AI takes over, but that, that humans become like robots, not robots taking over. Because we are so good, our superpower number three is adaptability, and we can adapt ourselves. Oh my God, we can, we would have not survived any Holocaust, slavery, or, or, or any war, because we can adapt. That's a superpower. And, and leaders need to know, number one superpower is creativity, how we do anything, how you do this podcast, how I am doing this podcast with you. 
then dialogue, communication, you and I. And in order to have that conversation really gel, adaptation, three. And there's nothing to learn. There's no steps. People just need to listen. Just listen to this episode a couple of times. You're good. There's enough seeds here that it. I trust that it will sprout in your way. That's why my podcast is only said 20 seconds. You just listen to, a, to a, a quote, you listen to the question, and then you go on your way and do whatever you need to come. It will come up. I love that. So my last leadership question is, what message would you want to send out today about neurodiversity to anyone working in the talent management sector? Get neurodiverse people. Not because, uh, because they are human people. And they will, what neurodiverse uh, people will do is they will influence your static structure to be open up to flexibility. And I'm finishing one book right now, but the following book will be about these things. How you're going to make systems human adapt versus having human make system adapt and, and without a human adapting to system, system adult function. So when you find out as a leader, see, the leader is not to say, hey, we have this job, let's get that ADHD guy or that neurodiverse guy and let's have him do, do it. It's about figuring out where that puzzle piece of that neurodiverse is the best. Obviously, it's not going to be the best. Um, it could be, but because every neurodiverse is different. But it could be, but usually they are more Richard Branson and, and they are they're human people. They're, they're, they're more human than that. So if you want to bring in your customer service, more humanity, where it's really to connect to the customer, I would do neurodiverse people. So I was always a host in restaurants. I was always a, you know, the manager, the, 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 the people person. If you need a people person, neurodiverse are super people and don't ask them as a leader, don't ask them to do Logistic stuff mm -hmm. is they will screw up. But most neurodiverse are so ashamed, which I was till 50. I was so ashamed to say that. Now, when I when you say, oh, Deb said, oh, come, 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 Michael, I have a job for it. I would say, Deb, I just tell you right away. I know my weaknesses and my weakness is logistics, you know. That's, that's great advice. And knowing... And having that awareness of this is what I'm good at, this is what I'm not good at, and this is where I shine. Just such clarity. Okay, I'm going to switch to what I call my Fab Four, Michael. Okay. Four rapid questions just to learn a little bit more about you outside of your professional work. Yeah. If I asked your family and friends to describe you in one word, what word would it be? Hmm. I never thought about that. He's alive, I guess, alive fun. Yeah. Perfect. What book have you read that you felt was really impactful? Okay, there's two. This this one book that uh, you know, um, the power of the moment, it got told because that's for neurodiversity too, also for your listener. Because when you are in the moment, you're actually functioning way better, and then you can actually access your superpower of that neurodiversity. I didn't understand that ten years ago. And then I start reading it uh, five years ago and I keep reading it over and over and over because I get deep and deeper into my neurodiversity. It actually is not a neurodiverse book for neurodiverse. It's for everyone. But I, I every time I read it, I, it helps me with my neurodiversity and being the human that I can be. 
And that's a great that's a great book. I'm I'm happy you made that connection because that's a very powerful book. Yeah, and then the other book is the new new book of Rick Rubens. I'm not done yet. Creativity, creativity. You know, just look it up. The new Rick Rubin book about creativity, a way of life, and it's very similar to my Smart of Art, but it is more the Bible. He's literally like it's like being in the moment, but also about creativity. This is about creativity. And it's like a book that you, and one book that you keep referencing. It's like literally like the Bible. You need to, you know, look it up and what is about creativity. And it gives you wisdom and depth into creativity. Okay, good suggestions. Okay, my next question is, I'm going to grant you a wish to have dinner with a leader. Now, this leader could be living or they could have already passed away. What leader are you having dinner with? And what is the dinner conversation? Miles Davis. Miles Davis, because I think there was so much awareness in him. You know, Einstein said what Einstein said. And I'm not taking anything away. I think, you know, we human are inclusive. We need everyone. But for me, the most creative is, I mean, when you say things, there's no false note. When you say something like that. And then that pops up. That's why I have only my podcast is only a quote. When you say a quote and then the quote keeps opening up and opening up and opening up, that's power. So if it exists in nature, right? It's so parallel to if it exists in nature, you know, nature doesn't make mistakes. Nature is, I tried this, I tried that. Nature doesn't make some mistakes. It just, you exist and you are valuable. If you're a beggar on the Fifth Avenue or if you are the people that walk on Fifth Avenue, you are valuable. Not perhaps in, in the Monopoly game. Not, well, Elon Musk might be good in, in, the, in the Monopoly game. Is he good in the human game? Is he fulfilled? See, in the separation, I, I promote the separation of system relevant is success. You hit the quarter, you pass the quarter, you hit a goal and then separate. What is human thing? Is fulfillment. Playing with your dog, going outside, getting, you know, looking at art. That's all rule, human relevant. And that gives you the fulfillment. And what fulfillment is, if people don't know what that feeling is, it's the feeling right after an orgasm. And basically it's, you have a union and the, and the feedback that you get emotionally is that union was a good thing. I'm not saying that this is a perfect relationship or anything, but it's it's the fulfillment that that we are inclusive. Inclusivity is important. Perfect. All right. Well, I before we close out the show, and I'll get I'll ask you my last question. I want to thank you for being a creative and bringing awareness and really being a champion for people with neurodiversity and showing how much success they can have and wishing you nothing but continued success, Michael. And I'm going to ask you to close out the show by finishing this sentence. Heart-centered leadership is? I wanted to say two things. I wanted to say humans and awareness. Thanks for joining me today on Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed the show today and learned some new tools for your leadership 
from our amazing heart-centered guest. And if you like the show, we would welcome a rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And we would love to have any comments or feedback at any time. And if you want some more heart-centered goodness, head over to our daily blog, masteringtheheart.com.